Namaste. The DERA phenomenon has been in the news lately in a very negative way. A lot of people think that these DERAs are nuisances, they are sources of violence and, and uh, you know, wrong actions, immoral and all that. And so there's a risk of stereotyping these DERAs which are very popular in Punjab and Haryana. I want to tell you the other side of the story what the deras are, what's their histories, why they exist, what value they bring, why they are important. If something were to happen to these deras and they were to collapse, it would be a very serious problem for Punjab and Haryana. Today, I want to talk to you about the deras of Punjab and Haryana. Lately, a dera got into a scandal and the word dera people don't understand and there's a whole lot of confusion and people think that these deras are some sort of violent people and so on and so forth. Well, I, I, want, you, I want to educate you in a way that the media should have done but hasn't done. The mainstream media failed in its responsibility to explain what is the social phenomenon, the political phenomenon, the cultural phenomenon called the dera in Punjab and Haryana. And to help me do this, I have a dear friend of mine, Sanjeev Nair, who is based in uh, Mumbai, but a fellow Punjabi. I am from Ludhiana, he is from Jalandhar. Uh, and so he is a scholar. He runs this uh, wonderful play, thing called eSamskriti. That is his portal where you should all go and watch it. So welcome Sanjeev to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself uh, in terms of this particular topic of Dera. Okay, uh, thanks very much Rajiv, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, let me just give you a bit of my background. Uh, my, my father came from Lahore, Mumbai in 1947 and my mother came from Amritsar Medical College to Mumbai in 1955. I worked in, I worked in Punjab for three years uh, during the year in 98, 89 and 90, very, very eventful years. Although I'm I'm a Mumbaiker in every in every way, but I have I have close connections with Punjab and and keep on trying to understand as to how Punjabi society is evolving. In 2016, uh, I did an e-book on how the British sowed the seeds for the Khalistan movement before the Indians took over. So it it really required me to read about five or six books. Uh, besides, speak to a lot of elders and learned people to actually understand what sort of changes the British brought about and the seeds that they sowed, uh, which resulted in the Khalistani movement subsequently. So, so, so Sanjeev, uh, should we start with the origin of the Sikh faith? Is that, is that a good place Surely. to start? Th then we'll come to the British later. True. So I, I'll just give you a very brief uh, introduction. Uh, Around 1520, 1521 is uh, when Babur was invaded India and uh, there was a lot of mayhem, a lot of massacres, a lot of people being killed. Uh, Guru Nanak Ji was there and he was very hurt by what was happening. To my mind, it is uh, the Bhakti movement and Muslim oppression uh, which gave rise to the birth of Sikh Dharma. He was against the caste system and against idol worship. But honestly, he was not the first one to be against these two things and not the last. When Guru Nanak Ji was there, his followers were called Nath Pantis. Subsequently, 
the word Sikh came into origin. Now the word Sikh is actually, it comes from the Sanskrit word Shishya. And by Shishya, it means student. So student of whom? Student of the Guru. The 10th Guru, uh, Guru uh, Govind Singh Ji and my favorite, okay, was responsible for starting Khalsa. So at a huge congregation at Alampur Sahib on 30th March 1699, he formed Khalsa and the basic intent then was to fight the Mughals. Now, the, interestingly, the Panch Pyara or the Panch, the five people who sort of agreed to lay down their lives for Khalsa belonged to different parts of India and it was quite representative. So this is, this is very briefly uh, the history of the Gurus. All the Gurus were Khatris or Kshatriyas. So, uh, Sanjeev, uh, uh, the, in the Guru Granth Sahib, which is their sacred text, uh, the name of God is there are a lot of Hindu references to God. So tell us about uh, because God is called. Uh, tell us how frequently the references to God are actually Hindu. Yeah, so I, I know the respected late Sadar Kushwan Singh Ji. He wrote in the Outlook issue of 1999 that out of the 15,028 times the name of God is taken, the name Hari comes about 8,000 times. The name Ram two and a half thousand odd times. And then there are other names of God like Prabhu and Gopal. And the phrase Vai Guru Di Falsa, Vai Guru Di Fateh comes only 16 times. So, but it is in all, the name in, of, in all fairness, uh, the, 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 the word Allah also comes. I mean, we have to say that, but it is not as frequent. True, very true. So what happens is that when you translate Hari or you translate Ram into English, it becomes God. But when you actually read it in in an Indian language, then you get the real name. Yeah. So now, the big shift uh, in Sikh uh, Sikhism was engineered a social engineering done by the British. So let's move forward, fast forward to the British era and tell us what happened. Before I actually start that, let me just tell you a bit about Maharaja Ranjit Singh. Okay. Do you know that Maharaja Ranjit Singh gave gold for three temples, of which one was the Kashi Vishwanath Mandir at Banaras. Two was obviously the Hari Mandir or Golden Temple. And three was the, a temple at Jawaramukhi in Himachal Pradesh. So there was there was very strong bond. There was Obviously, there was a very strong relationship, affection, because of which he gave gold for these three temples. Now let's come to the British role. What happened was that during the, during the Anglo-Sikh wars, and even subsequently, the British developed a very healthy respect uh, for the bravery of the Sikh soldiers and for the Sikh community. Even during the War of Independence, which is the 18, in 1857, Sikh princes prince, helped the British fight against the other, uh, the, uh, against the rebels, as I would call them. The British uh, firstly knew uh, that if they wanted to defend India against Afghanistan, it is only the Sikhs who could do so. Because during Maharaja Ranjit Singh's time, he had led an army which had defeated the Afghans. And as you know, even today, defeating Afghans is no easy job. So the British realized the bravery of the Sikh soldiers in doing so, so they wanted to cultivate them. Having said that, they, they were very clear in their minds that they wanted to divide Punjab into Hindu and Sikh. After the 1857 war, the, the war of independence, the British removed the Bengali soldiers from the army and replaced them with loyal Sikh and loyal Muslim soldiers. 
Now, when they appointed the Sikh soldiers, they put a condition that only those Sikhs who have the five Ks, which is Kesh, Kangan, Kada, Kacha, and Kripan, or Keshadari Sikhs, could join the army. At that point of time, it was predominantly Jat Sikhs who supported the five Ks. So it is they who got jobs in the army. The British also made up, they, the, they had colonization officers who actually went to villages in, in districts like Amritsar, Pathan Court, searching for the best farmers. They gave these farmers land with hereditary rights and the biggest beneficiaries were the Malwa Jat Sikhs. They also gave reservations in the army and in civilian services to the Jat Sikhs. So for maybe for military reasons or for otherwise, they kept on wooing the Jat Sikh constituency. Now, in Punjab, there is also a very, a very prosperous and brave community called the Khatris or Kshatriyas. During Maharaja Ranjit Singh's time, the most of the, a lot of the soldiers were Khatris. In fact, in one of Maharaja Ranjit Singh's Afghan expeditions, his foremost general was Divan Mokamchand, a Khatri. So what the British did is that they rewarded the Jats in various ways by giving them land, by giving them pension. The Khatris, who had also been warriors in, during Ranjit Singh's time, said that why should we lose out? So they got around this barrier which was, which was created by the British and they made their first son a Sikh with, with the five Ks. The first son joined the army while the others took to trade and to industry. So what, what this did is that if you, so you, you had the first son becoming a Sikh and again that tradition carried on uh, much, for times thereafter. So what the, what the British did is in the year 1900, they came up with the Punjab Land Alienation Act by which they, they divided the state into different communities or tri, you know, tribes. It said that only these communities can own agricultural land, only these communities are martial races, and the other communities are, are non-agricultural or non-martial. So the Jats came into the agricultural land, the Jats came into the, into the martial race, the Khatris were considered non-agricultural tribe. Even, even the backward classes were considered non-agricultural tribe. So the Jats, so thereafter the Jats became dominant landowners as well as with a large presence in the army. Okay. So the backward classes didn't have ownership to land. So they, they got employed as farm labor. So by backward, labor by labor. backward you mean economically backward. Sorry? By backward, you mean economically backward. I mean, they may be very advanced spiritually or culturally, but they were economically backward. Well, economically backward and socially backward. Both. Socially backward. Okay. So through the 1870s, 1880s, 1900, uh, there was a Tat Khalsa movement. And one of the basic premises of that movement was that the British, that the Hindus and Sikhs are two different communities. Uh, there is nothing common. What the British did is that they gave tacit support uh, to uh, the conservative Sikhs. It eventually, re it resulted in the idols being removed from the Golden Temple in 1905. Thereafter, the SGPC Act or the Sharomani Gurdwara Pravanda Committee Act was passed in 1925. What this did was to give an exclusivist view of, of Khalsa. The Act's definition of a Sikh lent strongly towards the exclusivist Khalsa view 
and one who is believed in the and is one who believed in the ten gurus and the granth sahib and was not a patit now who is a patit priming of long hair idol worship smoking following rituals of other faiths or not following sikh injunctions religious injunctions makes one a patit so it was a, it was you know this this definition was clearly targeted at the hindus so as to keep them out of this definition of who is a sikh they knew that uh, that anyone who follows another form of worship or idol worship or trimming of hair automatically the first people who would be targeted are the hindus and it it was a it was a very clear sort of i call it a conscious decision to sort of put it that way and that was the starting point by of which religion and politics got intertwined in punjab once sgpc got control over all the gurdwaras in punjab now everyone knows that running a gurdwara has power it has it has money there okay is, so, you, so 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 let me let me stop you uh, for a second uh, sanjeev and what is sgpc and when did they get control how did they get control so sgpc is the shiromani gurdwara prabandha committee okay uh, there was an sgpc act passed in 1925 okay so they they got control by virtue of that act okay okay now we now so it's the same act when they defined sikh sikh in a very orthodox conservative narrow minded way in that act they true. also gave power of all the gurdwaras to this particular committee very true okay very true. so now so so i have a question i have a question would a sikh say would a sikh complain and say what they are defining is a is the definition of a sikh that guru gobind singh gave the five k's and you have to do all that so how is it different was sikhism uh, prior to the this act was sikhism more flexible see it surely was i think this these sort of silos which have been created as uh, post 1860 did not exist earlier guru gobind singh ji founded khalsa with a purpose and that purpose was to fight the moguls at that point of time you know he did not say that he is starting a separate religion right and let me just read out this inscription uh, these which i found at the sachin uh, war memorial uh, these are some words which uh, guru gobind singh ji has addressed to lord shiva and let's let me just read excerpts i too was quite surprised with this uh, with this stuff which i saw there prayer of guru gobind singh ji to lord shiva oh lord shiva grant me this boon that i never shy away from doing good deeds i should never be frightened away from fighting for justice dharma and the rightful cause and i should be determined to emerge victorious from this battle every soldier to have a pure heart and mind and let not greed come near him when the time comes so my soul to unite with yours i should die fighting in the battlefield if there is no concept of you know having a separate religion these yeah. these sort of demarcations of religion etc didn't exist at that time it right. was all about dharma it wasn't it wasn't about religion as we understood understand it today after the british created this 1925 sgpc and they made the definition of sikh very rigid so let's move on after that so the so the so the 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 sort of the gap between hindus and sikhs kept on increasing so le- now let's fast forward to the 1960s okay the congress the congress ruled punjab till 1966 65 66 the akalis came into power for the first time in 66 the green revolution happened in the late 60s it when the green revolution happened 
farm output went up, the biggest beneficiaries of this were the Jatsik farmers because they owned the maximum amount of land. In this whole process, the backward classes were and economically, socially were left out. They did not make, they did not progress as much as 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 the Jatsiks did because the Jatsiks historically, for historical reasons, owned the land. You fast forward again to the to the late 70s and the 80s. We had a very very violent Khalistan movement. It's very natural that when there is violence, when there is insecurity, if I when I'm a poor man, I want to cling on to something. I need a support system. I need a place which I can call my own. I need someone who can take care of me. So right. the deras the deras always existed in Punjab, but the need for a for more deras was felt because of the external environment which existed then right so basically i just want to recap for my viewers that what we have said so far is the history of punjab and haryana to show you that that the because of the engineering by the british the social engineering uh, we ended up with a society of a large number of people who were disenfranchised became so called backward classes nobody looking after them the green revolution passed them by they didn't get any benefit they are not in control of the sikh gurdwaras by law somebody else is the elitist star so these guys are neither politically powerful in terms of controlling the sikh gurdwaras nor economically powerful in terms of the green revolution so these people are the ones who needed support who needed a sense of identity a sense of dignity uh, a sense of belonging and so the deras emerged the deras had existed before but the deras as organizations expanded like crazy in order to bring all these people in and provide them with social services is that is that fair yeah that's that's that, that sums it up well so so, so can want... we can we say that can we say that what the deras are doing is very similar to what the Christian missionaries do when they go to a, a rural area or a poor area, they provide them with school and hospitals and they provide them with, uh, you know, or medicines and whatnot, money and jobs. They, they are the ones who look after their social security and, and it is not so much about uh, religion or some very metaphysical philosophy. People go there because they have needs and these organizations provide the needs. So can we, can we say that deras are sort of like Hindu, Sikh, missionaries well no i i wouldn't i wouldn't use use the word i wouldn't say they are missionaries at all and the deras don't seek to convert you okay so okay, in that yeah. sense they are not but That's in the sense what, of what the, so can we say they're competing the deras, against missionaries see what the deras do is that they teach you spirituality in a very simple language in a very easy to understand and an easy to implement language they do not go into high-end metaphysical concepts to try and explain the Atman, etc. So they, they bring it down to the basics which people understand. They, okay. get, they treat people equally. So they do not, for example, you know, if you, if, if you read the Tribune a few days ago, uh, one of the devotees of uh, uh, the, famous, the famous Baba said that, uh, Satcha Swata Baba said that, you know, here we are all treated equally. There is no distinction of any caste or of or saying that you are rich or you are poor or you are not so well off. Everybody is given equal treatment. There are in the same era, there are some who are Hindus, there are some who are Sikhs. They are all treated equally. So it you know it brings a, gives a feeling of sense of equality. 
it also gives a feeling or sense of a support system. So when they suppose they want to open shops, if I go to a shop and I see a picture of a, of a Dera, my Dera Guru there, I automatically, my comfort level goes up. So I, I can, if I'm in small business, I can expand my business. Somebody I spoke to even said that the Deras also help in matchmaking. Other than converting to another religion, they are, they are competing with the missionaries by providing similar services. The missionaries are providing matchmaking. The missionaries are providing, you know, your, from the time you are born to the time you die, they look after your various needs, economic needs, social needs, identity, all of that kind of stuff. So my, my view is that the Deras are in competition with the missionaries by providing them with similar services. Uh, well, I, 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 would, I would think, see, the data has also give, the data has also give you subsidized ration. Okay, yeah. the, the bigger, the bigger data like Radha Swami, etc. As you will see later, there are also there are many townships in themselves. There are where people can stay. There is a lot of satsang that happens. There is a lot of spirituality that happens. So I, I, I would say it's, it's a lot, it's a lot broader. It's a lot broader in its scope than what the missionaries do. Here I will disagree. We can move on. Missionaries actually, sure. if you look at the role of the church in the American frontier, when the, when the, when the Westerners, when the Europeans first arrived, uh, the church was civic civ providing all the civic services. They were providing the police. They were providing the fire department. They were providing you protection from uh, hostilities. They would be your mom and dad. They are providing you with, you know, uh, shelter. And if you are sick or uh, don't have a job, the church was the sort of a social network, social security network in all of these places. So they've taken this model, uh, which they have, uh, which they created in uh, the Western world. And they've exported it to, you know, Africa and Latin America and India and all these places. So if you go to the rural areas of Tamil Nadu, the church is the one that is kind of running civic society. It is not just a, a church for Christianity. They're running the schools. They're running the hospitals. Uh, they're giving you jobs. They're giving, they're giving you food, medicines. They're doing all of that. So I, my, my view is that the Deiras became important. And that is why they kept the, the missionaries out. Because you see, the Maoists do the same. The Maoists go to, Maoists go to uh, Madhya Pradesh villages and various places uh, and provide them with services, uh, provide them with a sense of justice, they provide them with a sense of identity and a community to belong to. Uh, so the, we have to think of, we have to decouple God from social needs. So the Lokika world, the, the, world, the secular world, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, there are competing forces providing services in the Lokika realm, in the worldly realm. The church is one, the Maoists are one, the Deiras are there. So that's how I would look at it as a kind of a competition in that area. True. You're, you're quite, uh, quite right to a great extent, uh, Rajiv. Very right. Now, because of all this uh, collapse of uh, the unity, the narrative in the in that particular part, part of India, uh, there has been upheaval. So as you can see in this slide, some of the elders uh, of the non-Jat, some of the elders of Haryana from various strata uh, have come together to agitate, to demand uh, special rights, special quotas and so on. And here is, here is agitation. This is the youth. This is the same kind of people if they are not in a dera, they're doing this. This is agitation. This is violence. 
because people are demanding uh, social justice, economic rights and things of that sort. This is what happens when the vacuum is not being filled either by a church or by a dera. Uh, so these, these young people don't have anywhere to go. Uh, it's a, if there weren't dera, some of them would be probably picked up by some Maoist group. And one of the reasons we don't have Maoist groups is because there are deras over there. Now here is a small example of a very major phenomena in Punjab, which is Christian evangelists converting and baptizing Sikhs into Christianity. This is a huge thing going on in the rural areas. The target are the disenfranchised Sikhs who are not landowners, who are not part of the elite orthodoxy in charge of temples, the, the Gurdwaras. These people who sometimes have started calling themselves Dalit Sikhs, they've started calling themselves that, they are prime targets and the one of the fastest growing uh, uh, successes for evangelism in all of India is Punjab. So keep that in mind when you evaluate whether the deras are important or not. A major problem in Punjab and Haryana, especially in Punjab, is the drug problem. Drugs have come from Pakistan. A huge amount of heroin is coming. Afghanistan grows, Pakistan transits, brings them to Punjab and it has created a major menace. Here is uh, the uh, police have caught a whole lot of drugs uh, and so this, this is going on. A large part of uh, police work is uh, fighting the drug drug lords, the drug cartels. The authorities are very aware of it. A lot of analysis going on, a lot of uh, medical analysis, police analysis going on because it's both a health issue and a you know, security issue, law and order issue on you know, the magnitude of this problem is getting worse. So here, here uh, they're showing you how the drug menace affects uh, you know, the whole society. So this is, this is a serious problem for you know, Punjab to deal with. So Sanjeev, please tell us about the Radha Swamis uh, uh, as an example of a dera. Surely. Uh, it was founded by uh, Shiv Dayalji in Agra. It is now split into two parts. One is the Agra one and one is the much more popular one, which is the Radha Swami Satsang in Bayas. So again, today in Radha Swami Satsang, all the gurus I and mean, all the gurus in the Radha Swami Bayas Satsang are all, were, are all Sikhs. But what, are they, what is their main focus? They talk of spirituality. They talk of experience the divinity of God in each one of us. For them, they, their central philosophy is that they have, a, they have a guru and they have a spiritual teacher, the current teacher being Baba Gurinder Singh Ji. They do not believe in any rituals. They believe in selfless service, they, no drinks, vegetarian food. They run four hospitals. They run two, office two are in Punjab, one in Haryana, one in Himachal. They run dispensary, outpatient dispensaries. They, they have annual medical camps, eye camps. They have disaster relief fund. So they do a lot of, they do a lot of social service work also. They, they give spiritual peace, okay, to, to their devotees. My own neighbor, my own neighbor is, uh, is a devotee of Radha Swami Satsang and she's a widow and she spends months and months out there in Bayas. So like that, there must be so many people who are having all sorts of problems in life and they get spiritual solace uh, when, they, when they go to places like this. And again, there, there is no distinction as we were to see it in the modern world. But you know, what you have said so far uh, also applies to a normal Sikh Gurdwara. I think the main point to uh, emphasize is that in the Radha Swamis, they don't have Guru Granth Sahib. 
Is that true? Yeah. So yeah, their temples do not have the garan. Uh, they do not have the Guru Granth Sahib. That's a big uh, deal. They do not believe. They do not believe in baptism or taking the vows of Khalsa. Okay. What they do is they rely on the bani, that is, word of the Guru Granth Sahib, as as also that of the Sar Bachan in Satsang, but do not follow any devotion of the type that is observed in the Gurdwaras. Now this is the uh, Dera Sacha Sauda Hospital, one of several. Now this picture is the women uh, in the Dera Sacha Sauda at, at a religious event. Uh, you can tell this is not some violent group or something. They are very humble from fairly modest strata of society. Uh, this is their sense of collective identity. This is how they spend their time. They feel good. They make friends. They socialize. So this is what uh, kind of like an organized religion for that group of people. This slide is the Dera Sacha Sauda's program to train people how to deal with floods. So they are doing a mock flood kind of a training, how to save people, how to rescue people. Uh, this is all thanks to the Dera and, and it is a human rights kind of a training program. This is a boys school run by the Dera. They have girls school, they have boys school, they have medical colleges, they have hospitals, they have all sorts of things. Okay, see the, the Ravi Dasa Deras are about 60 to 80 and uh, in two, is, so far that till 2010 they, they were part of Sikhism, then they, they, they sort of broke away from Sikhism and they started calling themselves a Ravi Dasya Dharam. Now there is a guru called Ravi Dasi who was born in 1377, who was a cobbler, who was a poet, who was a philosopher. In fact, you know, the Sant Ravi Dasi is also worshipped in Maharashtra. In fact, every cobbler shop that you go to, and I, now that I'm we are talking about this, I, that that picture of Sant Ravi Rashi is there in every cobbler shop here. And I find that here, at least during my interactions, they are treated with a lot of respect, and you know there is they they not they not looked down upon in Punjab because they have their own dera, because they do not they do not follow the Granth Sahib, you know they do not they do not have a gurdwara, they 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 come into some con they have their own personal guru. They have come into conflict with the conservative Sikhs. In fact, their guru, uh, Sant Ramnad, Sant Ramanand, was was killed in Vienna in 2009. And at that point of time, there were very, very there were violent protests in Punjab against the killing of the guru. So they are, but they again in there they have a they have a community of their own. They run their schools, they run hospitals, they have their eye camps, and they are doing as much for the community as they can. Okay, so that's that's a very good example. So it's an example that shows that some of these deras are breaking ranks from orthodox Sikhism. Uh, they are blending Sikhism and Hinduism in order to broaden the base, and therefore they are getting the they are kind of uh, getting the anger from the orthodox Sikhs. Is is that the point? Absolutely. See, yeah. anyone basically the conservative Sikhs do not like anyone having a personal guru because. Guru Govind Singh Ji said that he was the last Guru and after that the Guru Granth Sahib was the Guru. So they, they dislike any sect which has, a, which has a personal Guru. So what do you want to say about uh, uh, Ram Rahim Singh, the charismatic Guru of the Sacha Sauda? Obviously the Sikhs won't like it because they don't believe in living Gurus. Uh, and uh, uh, he caters to the, uh, to the grassroots, the poorer sections of society. Uh, economically challenged sections 
and not to the jats who are the landowners. So that's also a big difference there. Uh, and this Dera is trying to uh, trying to champion uh, a lifestyle which is free from drugs and things like that. You know. So what do you think about this particular guru and uh, his approach? See, I'm not going to comment on 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 the legal aspects of his case, and or neither am I going to comment on the violence which has happened subsequent uh, subsequent to the court order. But I but when I when I read through when I read through various media reports of people who were his devotees, the question that came to my mind was, you know, why would somebody want to give his life for the guru? Okay, so obviously yeah. there is something which the Dera has done to to help him because of which he is willing to take to the streets. I mean, no normal human being, rational human being will, will take to violence or take to the streets. So there has to be a reason because every human being behaves for a, does something for a reason. So the, the Tribune had, some, had a very good report and what it's, it said a few things. One is that there is, there is no distinction of caste in, the, in their dera. Everyone is treated equally. The way they have organized the data is on a in a state level they are divided into zones. Every zone is got is got somebody looks after that and he's called bhangi das. Now, you probably recall that the word bhangi in in most cases is considered derogatory, but yes. this has been done with an intent so to give respect to that person. So what what he has done is say by giving somebody as many as who's who's who is looking after a zone. And they're given that person the title of Bhangi Das. Automatically, you're giving that 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 word Bhangi some sort of respect. Yeah. Okay. And which is which is very important because every human being wants to be respected. Every human being wants to be appreciated for what he's doing. If you see that Sirsa is in Haryana, but it's on the border of a number of Punjab districts. Now, in that entire region, uh, there is a shortage of there is a shortage of water. People suffer from knee ailments and from cancer. According to the Tribune, and the, the data gives a lot of medical help, free treatment to people who are affected. In fact, one person I remember, I don't know where I read this report, where he said that you know he would do anything for the guru because his son, his, the guru had had cured his son of drug addiction. So you know, so there are there are various angles to this, and you know, one may look at it from a purely urban English English speaking perspective as to what is this and what is that. But you put yourself in the shoes of a poor man who has little support system, who has probably nowhere to go. So what does he do when he finds some, when he finds an organization and he finds a dera who's willing to help him, who's giving him dignity, who's making him to him at an equal level, and in return is asking for what for devotion or for doing some car seva in the ashram. You know why would you say no? Deras are a reflection of society that they are serving. So, if the society is very macho, you know, male dominated, uh, then the DERA leader also kind of catering to that. Do you feel that part of that problem has been that the society in Haryana of that particular strata, strata is a kind of a masculinized society and where, you know, therefore this kind of a, a alleged treatment of women might be happening and the guru or the leader gets away with it. Do you feel that way? See Punjab, Punjab, Haryana, they are they are macho societies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and and you you have to again. Uh, I just go back a bit in time. Uh, they are macho societies. You see, and if you see the way uh, the the way you know men behave and 
it's it's so apparent so obviously uh, you know these things these things then it come into real society as well uh, i want to make a comparison here uh, with donald trump uh, uh, people say that uh, trump is creating uh, white supremacy and all that uh, and i would argue that uh, the white supremacy exists and trump is tapping into it so trump is uh, trump is a product of the masses the masses want this there is a large segment of people who want a certain kind of attitude uh, and so uh, towards race and so on and Trump is filling that vacuum. So could you say that the, if the population in the DERA have a certain attitude towards sex and women and whatnot and machoism, then you know, then, then, then a leader will emerge who kind of caters to that and he supposedly, he looks like Elvis Presley or he's going around in motorcycles and all this macho stuff with weapons and all that. And do you feel that, uh, you know, the, the problem is deeper in society than just one leader? See, I, you know, I think that, you know, as far as his, his behaving like Elvis Presley, acting in movies, going on bikes, you know, I think that is part of the reason for his downfall. If you see the other Teras, you know, you, you see their leaders, they are very low profile. Uh, if, you, if you see the Radha Swami, the Abhyas uh, Dera head, you know, how many, how many of us have seen him? I think in India, it is always better to be low profile. It is not, it's not good to blow your trumpet. You can see that in the corporate world or in, in the spiritual world or in the Dera world. You know, when you, when you start getting too showy, you are asking for trouble. So, that is true. If you, if you become showy, then the media or people look for some reason to bring you down. That is true. At the same time, those who are charismatic tend to get more followers. I mean, if you look at many gurus, they are very charismatic. They are global, globetrotting. Uh, and also, so this is the age of social media and videos and whatnot. So, would you say that on the one hand, the Hindu public... Uh, wants their guru to be charismatic. So they feel very proud of him, that he is this hero guy. On the other hand, the, the guru who becomes like that to satisfy the needs of his people is also setting himself up for failure. No, I, I won't say that. See, there are, there are many gurus, uh, be it, uh, you know, within the, within the sort of, who are charismatic, who, who are globetrotters, who have a huge following. But they are very careful. They are very careful on, on you know, in their in their dealings. They are very careful in what they speak. They are very careful about how they conduct themselves. You know, they don't they don't do things like what uh, you know the Dera such a head did. You know, acting in movies. You know, getting getting into all this. You are you are actually asking for trouble. And the day you make a mistake or the day you do something wrong, and law catches up with you then it gets very difficult for you for you to wriggle out of it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that in his case, uh, he became too flamboyant, uh, too uh, in the face. Uh, and uh, therefore, there were always people out there. Uh, and the other thing, I think there's a second reason. The second reason is playing with politics, flirting with politics. He, he was very, very aligned with the Congress uh, during, the, the, during the, the UPA government. Uh, and they wanted his vote bank of so many million followers uh, that he could encourage them to vote in a particular direction. So, uh, during that period, he was aligned with them. And then in the more recent period, he switched away from them and aligned with the BJP very openly. 
do you feel that a reason for downfall is also when religious leaders openly flirt with politics see when you when a religious leader supports any political party it works both ways as it is in his case but you know i think the so i think that because religion and politics are very intertwined in punjab there is a third angle to this the the conservative sikhs want all the all the devotees in the deras to come back to the gurdwaras and whether it is tacitly or otherwise they they must be very happy with the turn of events because if this if this dera closes down then where will the poor go they will either go to another dera or they will go back to the gurdwaras so the conservative sikh lobby also would be very happy with the turn of events it is very difficult for me to say or for anyone to say whether they had a hand in this in, in what happened but i'm sure they'd be happy yeah so if the if a dera collapses and there are millions of members uh then they could go to another dera or, or they could go to the sikh gurdwaras they could also go to maoist maoism because maoism wants chaos maoism wants chaos where there's poor people not getting social service not getting justice who are angry and that's the that's the breeding ground for maoists and of course the evangelists would love it too and there is a very thriving evangelism in punjab as you know so i think uh in closing what i want to say is that the deras are a source of social stability they, they through identity through helping people in economic needs uh through uh, you know keeping them connected with a sense of tradition and a sense of their narrative uh they 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 keep things together in society and they play a role uh to help people who are underprivileged uh, and if if a dera were to fall apart uh because of whatever may have happened uh, the there are bigger consequences so i just wish the media would educate people on the the uh, the kind of broader consequences of a dera dera collapsing and also uh, you know there is there is a very strong bonding between the hindu and the sikh it was it was always there in between it had gone up at week it's again coming back and that that needs to get stronger and i think somewhere the sikhs need to sort of reflect and if they if they choose that they they want to be absolutely separate that's absolutely fine but you you need to realize that there is a very strong bonding and there is so much that unites us yeah and i think that there need to be multiple options i mean those sikhs who want a very orthodox sikhism as per the british defined uh, you know normative and narrowly defined thing in their act uh, they should have an option uh, and then there should, there are sikhs who want to be more with hindus and more flexible there should be an option for them also i think deras are kind of breaking that uh, these walls and uh, f- uh, social force they're also bringing people who are lower strata up the up the la- uh, socio economic ladder so the deras are overall i mean can we both agree the deras are overall a positive force for punjab and haryana surely they are given a few exceptions here and there overall they are excellent so on that consensus i'll uh, say namaste to you thanks rajiv Thank you. The recent scandal has been characterized as some kind of a religious issue. What I have tried to show you is that the deras are a social phenomena. They have a religious component. They are a social phenomena. And they are a political phenomena. They are an economic phenomena. 
and they have a religious phenomenon. But that's one component. Now in the American frontier, when settlers came and they were dealing with many hostile elements in, in the Americas, they, the church played such a role. The church would provide housing and medical care and police protection uh, and, you know, economic and all that stuff. The church was civic society because government was very weak. There was hardly much government in those days. Similarly, the church has gone to various parts of the world where social services, economic services, etc. are not very strong from the local government and they've filled that role in order to win people over, become very strong in numbers and then start exerting political clout. Now we don't like foreign evangelical groups to do that. So we need deras to do that. We don't like when Maoists do that in places where there is not much fabric of you know, society uh, with, with facilities for poor people. We don't like Maoists to come fill that vacuum. So that is what the deras are trying to do. When I first came to the United States, in 1971, Hindu temples were playing this role for the immigrant community. Besides being a house of worship, it was also a community center where people would get together and talk about social and cultural issues, marriages taking place, marriages still take place in temples here. A lot of cultural activities, social activities, it was a place where you could just be yourself. You could be entirely who you are and not have to be embarrassed because everybody else was like that. I can imagine Deras play that kind of a role for a certain strata of society in Punjab and Haryana. Instead of saying God-man, perhaps we should say ethnic man. It's more about ethnicity. The person is sort of representing and champion a championing a certain kind of ethnicity. And what the people of that ethnicity of that group fantasize, what is their myths? What is the kind of narrative about who they are that they want to promote? The, this leader comes and kind of plays that role. So the Deras have offered their members a kind of a ladder to climb from lower echelons of society into the middle class with dignity, with respect, with collective power, a vote bank that can negotiate with politicians. That's what Deras are doing. And this need became very important, more important than before, with the rise of the Orthodox Sikhs controlling the temple, the power structure and the wealth of the temples, and the Jats controlling all the land. And if you were neither of these two categories, you're left out. You're left out of the Green Revolution, you're left out of uh, uh, the wealth. So you need some other way to uh, assert your common identity and your, your social needs. One of the lessons learned is that Hindu organizations need better institutional mechanisms. Uh, the church is very robust institutionally. Whatever happens to a pope or whatever happens to one priest here or there, whatever scandals happen, the institution of church is not killed. Nobody says let's dissolve the church. The church has survived so many scandals. So now if you look at the corporate world similarly, I mean, if something happened to a CEO of IBM or whatever, it's not that the corporate entity would finish off. So the, the success of the enterprise in an institution is not dependent on a charismatic leader. Steve Jobs was a very charismatic head of Apple. Even when he died, Apple has done fine. In fact, Apple's stocks and earnings have gone sky high 
after Steve Jobs died because the institutional mechanism was very robust. So I think Hindu groups have something to learn. Uh, with the, a question to ask is, are we too much personality dependent? There are some good counter examples. The Adi Shankara Mathas have survived for so long, not based on charismatic personalities, but there are institutional mechanisms, checks and balances. I think Ramakrishna Mission has achieved that. Many people may not know personally who is the head of Ramakrishna Mission, but they know Ramakrishna Mission as an institution. There's something to be said for that. Many of our guru-led Hindu groups collapse. Uh, you know, like what happened to Sai Baba or uh, Osho. Uh, many of them, Swami Muktanand. If you look at some of the major figures in the last hundred years, when the when the leader goes, then the whole setup collapses. And so there's maybe there's something to do, something we have to learn on how to institutionalize better. Finally, what I want to say is that besides the failure of the media to cover this story properly in a comprehensive way and use it as an opportunity to educate people about all these matters that we are trying to discuss today. Besides the media failure, I would say social scientists have failed in India. Social scientists have not gone and understood the, the DERA phenomenon as a social phenomenon. They, they are looking at, you know, Marxist class struggle and Maoists as sort of the heroes who are filling the vacuum. But what about DERAs? Deras, Hindu Deras, Sikh Deras, Deras that break these boundaries between Hindus and Sikhs and in the, under, the, under the umbrella of their spiritual tradition, they are providing social services. They are providing what the Marxists and the Maoists and the church people are supposed to be, are claiming to be providing. Why not study these as successful role models? Punjab Haryana society should introspect, men in particular should introspect whether it is too macho, too hyper-masculine uh, such that certain types of behaviors which, is, which are just not right for women are allowed and you know people look the other side and whether it's a leader or whether it's anybody else doing it such a thing should not be tolerated. I would like to close by saying that this was a very painful saga over the last uh, you know, week or two that happened in Haryana uh, because I like organizations that are looking after our people under the umbrella of dharma. At the same time, I, it's very important that they should be socially responsible and do it in a proper way. So here's a conflict, what to do, what to do when you have this sort of a problem. It's not a happy situation, but certainly the, to, to finish off the data is not, a, is not the way out because that will create a far worse problem at the social level. It's not going to help women, it's going to make it worse because while there may be problems of this sort which are an exception to the norm, I would say that the people are much better off having these establishments than if they didn't exist. So with that, I will leave you today and we'll come back another time next week with another episode. And please, I request you to hit the donate button if you like our shows, if you feel we're adding value, educating, we need your contributions to be able to continue. Thank you. Namaste.